The How Is This Movie podcast is supported by listeners like you. Go to www.patreon.com slash howisthismovie. There you can pledge as little as a dollar a month and help us maintain our goal of keeping this show independent and free of advertising. I need to take just a moment and thank Brian Hughes for his recent pledge to How Is This Movie. Thank you, Brian. You're awesome. Okay, before we get started, I just want to give everybody a quick heads up. In this particular episode, I use some pretty harsh adult language, so if it's something that you're easily offended by, I'm going to strongly, strongly recommend that you don't listen to this episode. This one's not safe for work and not safe for the kids. Thank you and enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this mini episode of How Is This Movie? My name is Dana Buckler, and thank you for taking just a little time out of your day to listen. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at How Is This Movie. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash howisthismovie. You can always email me with questions or comments at hitmpodcast at gmail.com. And finally, if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave a review on whatever platform you use to listen. I wanted to give everyone a quick update on this show. My current job has me working close to 60 hours a week, and it's really hindering progress on upcoming episodes. At the moment, I am currently working on four episodes, and I also have two scheduled interviews coming up in the next few weeks, so please bear with me as I try to get them out in a timely manner. I won't sacrifice the quality of the show in order to get them out faster. I appreciate your patience, and thank you, thank you, thank you for being a loyal listener. As a small bonus, I've decided to release this movie theater story I recorded about two months ago, but I hadn't gotten around to releasing yet. Enjoy. Throughout the two plus years of me doing this podcast, I've shared with you many experiences I've had while at the movies. From smacking an empty soda cup out of someone's hand, to going on the worst date ever. I truly have run the gamut of bad situations at movie theaters. And because of those experiences, I tend to stay away from the theaters. But for this story, I thought I would share a different kind of experience. This story took place in 1999. Now let me set up the scene for you. I was 21 years old at the time working at a restaurant, and I lived a pretty carefree lifestyle. I was also prone to many nights of drinking too much. Now, one of my closest friends at the time, and we're going to call him John for this story, worked at a movie theater here in town. It wasn't a big 16-screen theater like the Beagle Cinemas we also have here. It was built in the 70s and had six screens with no stadium seating. John was the assistant manager whose duties included everything from working the concession stand to splicing together the movies when they would arrive. Now, if you're not clear what I mean when I say splicing together, back in the day, movies were shown on film. I know it's a crazy concept. And the movies would typically arrive shipped in multiple crates, and they would have to be pieced together by a projectionist. This was one of the many things that John would do. Once a movie was assembled, it would have to be tested to make sure that there were no issues. The testing would usually take place typically on a Thursday night. I know this because often John would invite me to watch the movie with him. It was great. I got to see a lot of different movies for free. And usually it was just John and I, and no one would be disrupting our viewing experience. So on a Thursday in early July... John called to invite me to watch American Pie. Now, this movie had a huge buzz surrounding it, and I was super stoked to get an early preview of it. It was around 4 p.m. that Thursday when he called. Now, looking back, I should have left it at that, but instead, I made a fateful decision, one that would set in motion a chain of events that would become legendary, or at best, infamous. I called John back and asked him if it would be okay if I brought someone with me. John was a little uneasy about this idea because he knew it was really frowned upon that he has anybody in the theater with him. Before John said yes, he inquired as to who I was going to bring. I told him that I wanted to bring a girl that I had a crush on. For this story, I'm going to call her Liz. John was still on the fence, so I sweetened the deal by letting him know that Liz would be bringing a friend and we're going to call her Megan for this story. John gave in and said yes. So by 6 p.m., 
I had made the necessary phone calls and Liz and Megan were in. So on paper, what we had here was a really nice double date, if you will. Liz and Megan were in our circle of friends and they were really happy to be invited. The American Pie screening wasn't planned until midnight. So I spent the rest of the evening getting ready for the event. Around 8 p.m., Liz called and asked if it would be okay if she could bring a few friends. Now, I hesitated for a moment, telling her that I wasn't sure if that was a good idea, and that was really John's call. However, Liz had a special charm over me, and all it took was for her to say, You know, Dana, it's important to me that you and I get to spend some time together. My friends won't get in the way of that. Oh, okay, I said. I'm sure John won't mind. Why don't you meet us at the theater at 11.45? I got to the theater around 11. John was in the projection booth putting the movie together. Our conversation was casual, and at one point I quietly mentioned that Liz and Megan were going to bring a few friends. John stopped what he was doing, snapped his head around, and looked at me right in the eyes and said, What do you mean a few friends? Relax, I said, nothing to worry about. We are in charge and nothing bad is going to happen. Not feeling thoroughly convinced by my calming words, John replied, Look, man, I need this job. If anything goes wrong, the GM won't hesitate to let me go. What could go wrong, I said. Look, you start the movie, come into the theater, sit with Liz, Megan, and I, enjoy the movie, and afterwards... Me, you, Liz, Megan, we'll, we'll go back to my apartment. We'll have a few drinks, hang out. You know, John, Megan really likes you. I know that was kind of cunning on my part. All right, man, he said, but if anything goes wrong, it's on you. No worries, I said. I got this. Right around 11.45, the only other employee that was working that night said goodbye to us and left the building. Not two minutes later, I heard a knock on the front door. John was still in the projection booth. I will go let them in and show them to the auditorium and, you know, we're going to watch American Pie. It's going to be great. John had some parting words for me as we left the booth. Don't let them fuck with the inventory. No worries, man, I won't. Now let me explain what that last comment meant. Movie theaters make 99% of their money on concessions. They get next to nothing for the actual ticket sale. With so much of their profits coming from the sale of popcorn, sodas, and candies, the popcorn bags and the soda cups are very closely monitored. John had to do an exact and precise inventory each night. And he was really good at it. He had next to no shrinkage. And by that I mean the inventory count almost always matched the sales for any given night. I was well aware of this because any time that I would attend one of these early screenings, I would always bring a brown paper bag and my own cup. John didn't care how much popcorn I had as long as I didn't use any of the theater popcorn bags. Now, with a number of new people attending this screening, it was up to me to make sure that everyone understood the rules about the inventory. As I made my way out of the booth, I walked down the low-lit hallway towards the front entrance. I rounded the corner, and I got stopped in my tracks by what was standing outside. No less than 30 people. Ah, shit, I thought to myself, this isn't good. John... You need to come see this, he replied quickly. What? I said, John, uh, come here right now. He scurried out of the booth, ran down the hall, and stopped beside me. He looked at me and said, no way, man. No way. This is not happening. Not tonight. Get them out of here, Dana. So let's take a moment and look at what's happening. The original plan called for just John and I to watch the movie. However, My simple request about bringing someone had now turned into 30-plus people standing outside the theater. I could clearly see Liz and Megan standing in the front, giving me the why aren't you letting us in signal. I walked up to the door, turned the lock, and barely opened up the door, sticking my head out. Hi, everyone, I said, scanning the crowd. It was an even mix of girls and guys, most of whom I recognized from one place or the other. So, um, I'm so sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but this isn't going to happen tonight. A collective boo went across the crowd. As I looked closer, I could see that several people in the crowd had beer with them. 
and I mean a lot of beer. I think I counted close to 10, 12 packs in the group. Liz looked at me and said, come on, Dana, seriously, we're already here. I just kept shaking my head no. Every two or three seconds, someone would yell out, come on, man. I ushered Liz and Megan inside and quickly closed the door and locked it. The crowd didn't move. I pulled Liz aside for a one-on-one conversation. Liz, there's no way I can let this many people in. Liz stood firm and proceeded to tell me that if her friends couldn't come in, then her and Megan would have to leave as well. I mentioned earlier that I had a crush on Liz, and I really liked her. I looked over at John and said, Look, everybody's here. Let's just watch the movie, and then we'll go. Now, in front of John, I looked at Liz and asked if her and Megan wanted to hang out afterwards. She said, Absolutely. That was just the right amount of motivation John needed. He sighed and said, Okay, but make sure you explain the rules to everyone before they come in. I walked back to the door, unlocked it, walked outside and stood with my back against the door. Okay, everyone, listen up. Here's the deal. No one, and I mean no one, is to touch any of the inventory behind the counter. If one person takes a popcorn bag, this event is over. Don't even think about smoking in here. The doors are going to remain locked. If you leave, there is no re-entry. Everyone got it? I saw a collective group of nods from the crowd. I opened the door and ushered the crowd in. Everyone made their way into the theater. And at that point, all you could hear was the familiar hissing sound of beer bottles and cans being opened. John started the movie just after midnight. I settled into a seat next to Liz, who had a beer in each hand. I reached at her left hand, I took one, said thank you, and took a sip. Now, the first 20 minutes or so, everything was going great. The movie, which I'm happy to report if you've never seen it, is incredibly funny. And everyone seemed to be enjoying themselves. I looked over at John, who was now drinking himself. I held up a beer, gave him a cheers. You see, I said, no worries, my friend. Now, as the movie played on, the crowd got louder and louder. Several people would get up in groups and go to the restrooms. I have to assume it's because of the amount of beer that was being imbibed. Things started taking a turn when I noticed that John was drinking more and more. He wasn't paying attention to the movie, rather in deep conversation with Megan. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I was a saint. I was drinking pretty heavy as well. So much, in fact that I don't really remember the last 30 minutes of the movie. Now, I think the same held true for the crowd. It was starting to get a little rowdy in the theater, and I asked Liz if she wanted to go outside and talk. She agreed. We grabbed a few beers and headed for the back exit doors. I put a door stop in the exit door so that we'd be able to get back in. It was around 1.20 when we were outside. Liz lit up a cigarette. I mean, this is still the 90s, and smoking was a, a pretty standard practice. We spent the next 45 minutes talking drinking slowly, and she kept smoking cigarette after cigarette. I remember thinking this is great. I'm finally going to get the much-needed alone time with Liz. We talked about her background, where she grew up, and of course the subject of her favorite movies came up. I was delighted to find out that she was a fan of the movie Jaws. And also, one of her favorite movies was True Romance, which prompted me to suggest that we go back to my apartment and watch the movie. She agreed. First things first, I told her, I need to get everyone out of here. I also suggested that John and Megan join us. My apartment was less than a five-minute walk away from the theater, and the idea of John driving home worried me a little bit. Of course, she said. That's a smart move. It was in the middle of this conversation that I began to hear something. Something familiar, yet oddly out of place. A repetitive thump. A repetitive thump of music. I looked at Liz, and I said, Do you hear that? She turned and looked back at the exit doors. I do, she replied. It's coming from the theater. I stood up opened the door, and the thump was much clearer. I grabbed Liz by the hand, held the door open for her, and we walked towards the theater. The music got louder and louder. 
I recognized the music. It was unmistakable. It was high-energy house music, the kind that you would hear at a nightclub or at a rave. I walked into the theater, and to my amazement, there was a guy DJing right by the screen. He had a big speaker, two turntables, a mixer. There were makeshift flashing disco lights on the corner of the tables, a long orange extension cord plugged into the wall, and the crowd in the theater was going crazy. People were dancing in the aisles. Someone had broken out glow sticks and was tossing them all over the theater. To put it mildly, chaos had broken out. And the music... Well, it was loud, so loud that I had to yell in Liz's ear. I remember screaming practically at the top of my lungs, what is going on? Liz just stood there shaking her head in disbelief. Then it hit me, where the hell is John at? Is he aware that a rave has broken out during his private screening of American Pie? There was another thing that became abundantly clear, and that was the amount of people. What started out as 30 people had now turned into at least 60, if not more. Liz told me that she was going to go find Megan, and off she went. In the meantime, I set out to find John. Keep in mind that there were five other theaters in this building. I walked down the hall, happy to be out of that theater because the music was so loud. When I walked into the next theater, there was just a handful of people, maybe five or six, pretty low-key, and one of them was smoking. I said, hey man, please, don't smoke in here. It's cool, he replied. John said it's cool as long as we don't leave the butts on the floor. John said it was cool? The group collectively nodded and I walked out of the theater shaking my head. Time for a quick recap. Again, what started out as a simple screening of American Pie that was supposed to just be four people had now turned into a multi-room nightclub. I began walking down the hall to the front entrance. Hanging out at the concession stand was John with a group of about 10 others. They were all doing shots of 151 rum. As I got closer, the group yelled out, Dana, take a shot. Take a shot. I grabbed John by the arm and said, what the fuck, man? We need to get everyone out of here. Who the hell brought a DJ? Dude, you are in so much trouble. We need to end this right now. John put his hand on my shoulder, looked at me with one eye open and said, Dana, don't worry. I told everybody the party is over at 4 a.m. And everyone needs to help clean up before they leave. I stood there for a moment, just looking at him. I said, you believe that, huh? Everyone's going to help clean up? Really? He said, trust me, Dana. Take a shot. Be merry. Now, I'd love to tell you that I was the noble one who had the foresight to recognize that this was a terrible idea, and at the very least, I should go. I mean, I didn't work there. It wasn't my job on the line. But remember, I was only 21, and, well, as someone handed me a shot glass with 151-proof rum spilling over the rim, I took it, and down the hatch it went. And it wasn't the only shot I took that night. The next morning, as I was just beginning to wake up, I hadn't opened my eyes yet, because my mind was furiously trying to piece together what had happened just hours before. I had had snapshots of events going through my head. I recall John running down the aisle with no shirt. I remember binging on mountains of popcorn. Liz. What about Liz? Gosh, I couldn't recall what happened to her. But there were two things that I, at that moment, I knew for sure. One is that my head was killing me. And second... I don't remember my bed ever being this uncomfortable. I mean, it was rock hard and cold. It was at that moment that I realized that I wasn't in my bed. Instead, I was laying on a cement floor. I began to pull myself up off the ground and stand up. My stomach felt incredibly queasy from the motion of getting off the ground. Now, because my head hurt so much, I could only open up one eye. Holy shit. 
I'm still in the theater. What happened? As I began to walk out of the theater, I opened the door and walked down the hall. I had no idea what time it was. This was pre-cell phone days for me. I could see daylight down the hall coming from the windows. As I walked into the lobby, I just stood there staring at the floor. There were popcorn bags all over the place. Most of them ripped up. Popcorn was everywhere. I looked at the concession stand. It was trashed. There was beer bottles all over the place. This is bad, I said to myself. This is really bad. John, where are you? Silence. I walked into the restroom. Again, beer bottles all over the place. I walked up to the sink and caught a glimpse of my face. My hair was a mess. And as I looked closer, I noticed there was a bruise under my left eye. Now, not a black eye, but something had definitely happened to me. I washed my hands. I reached for some paper towel. Nothing. The dispenser was empty. That's odd, I thought. It was at that point I decided I'd better see if anyone else is still here besides myself. I began checking each theater one by one. When I opened the door to the second theater I was checking, I found the missing paper towel. It had been unrolled as if somebody was trying to bowl the paper towel down the aisle. I began checking the other theaters. Walking down the aisle of the fourth theater, I once again called out, Anyone in here? I heard a faint voice in the corner. Dana! I knew right away it was John. He was wrapped up in the curtains on the right side of the screen. I walked over slowly and sat down next to him. In a voice that was just above a whisper, I said, Hey man, how are you feeling? He looked around for a moment. Not too hot, he replied. Look, I told him, there's no easy way for me to say this, but it's not looking good in here, not at all. John picked himself off the ground and we both began to walk out of the theater. John, looking very puzzled, said, where's my shirt? Your shirt, I said. Well, I think that's the least of your worries. We walked to the lobby. John nearly collapsed when he laid eyes on the state of it. Oh no, oh no, I'm screwed. Look at this place, I'm fucked. What time is it, I asked. We walked over to the cash register. I forgot there was an LED clock on there. It's 9.30 a.m. I guess we better start cleaning, I suggested. We grabbed some trash bags and began the impossible task of trying to get the theater back in shape. What time is the first showing today? John replied, 1 p.m. Okay, I thought, no worries. We have plenty of time. We spent the next 30 minutes cleaning up. First, the concession stand, where John counted at least 12 large popcorn bags were missing. We made our way into the first theater. I gathered up the paper towel and cigarette butts that were all over the ground. Occasionally, I would ask him if he remembered what happened. He told me that I was the one who decided to try my hand at paper towel bowling. He also said that I tripped down the aisle and hit my face on the seat. Well, that would explain the bruise on my face. What about Liz and Megan, I said. John told me that Megan left with a few friends around 5 a.m., And Liz tried to wake me up, but I was passed out stone cold on the floor. So she also ended up leaving alone. Oh man, I thought. (sighs) By 10 a.m., we had made great strides in our efforts and we pretty much got the place back up to snuff. As we walked out of the last theater and headed back to the lobby, we both heard a familiar sound. The sound of the front door being unlocked. We both stopped in our tracks with garbage bags in hand, full to the brim with beer bottles. The person entering the building was John's boss, Drew, who was in his late 40s and had a pissed-off-at-the-world attitude about life. As Drew locked the door behind him, he turned to see two people standing in front of him. He stood there staring at John with no shirt on and me with what only could be described as an early 80s punk rock hairstyle and a bruised-up face. What the hell is going on, he yelled. He had a clipboard and a bank deposit bag in his left hand, and he proceeded to slam them on the concession counter. Drew, John said. You're here early. I wasn't expecting you till noon. 
Drew just stood there, nodding his head back and forth with a half a grin on his face. He looked at John. How many people were here last night? John replied, Just a few. Okay, Drew said. Okay, well, you're fired. Now get out and take those fucking garbage bags with you. John spent the next two minutes trying to plead his case, but Drew was having none of it. He opened the door. We walked out. He quickly locked it behind us. The summer heat hit us right away. It was only 10 a.m., but man, it was hot out. John and I began to walk towards the dumpster. John kept going on and on about how he should have never listened to me when I suggested we invite a couple people. This is all your fault, Dana, he said. My fault, I said. You're the one who okayed a fucking DJ to come in. You're the one who started pounding shots. I tried to stop this. But you insisted everything's going to be okay. Party's over at 4 a.m. Everyone's going to clean up after themselves. You said all of this. And where the hell is your fucking shirt at? We kept bickering all the way back to my apartment. Once inside, I told John that he was welcome to hang out in the living room as long as he wants, but I'm going to bed. John plopped down on the couch, grabbed the remote, and turned the TV on. I walked to my room, closed the door, hit the sheets, and promptly fell asleep. In the weeks to follow, a rumor began swirling around town about some kind of crazy late-night party that took place at a local movie theater. The more people talked about it, the more outlandish the stories became. Instead of 60 people being there, there was now hundreds of people there. Instead of just a single DJ... Rumors started swirling that some of the top Florida DJs played there. I would hear about how there was at least 20 kegs of beer and how the cops were paid off to look the other way. Rumors began swirling that this was going to become a once-a-month thing and tickets were going to be sold for future events. How did I know about all these rumors? Well, let's just say I got a lot of calls in the coming weeks because each of these ridiculous rumors all started the same way. Hey, did you hear about the party Dana had? I, of course, would play down the tales every chance I got. But there was one thing I couldn't deny. And that was 20 minutes into the first afternoon screening of American Pie, the general manager of that movie theater, Drew, had to stop the movie, get a 12-foot ladder, walk into the theater, climb to the top of the ladder, and remove a t-shirt that was clinging to the spinning ceiling fan. My name is Dana Buckler, and thank you so much for listening. <laughs>